Welcome all, thank you for tuning in to the Battle Race FC podcast where we focus on all things for soccer in the DMV. This is Jose Omaris and joining me as always, Mara Amaya from El Tiempo Latino. How are you doing today, man? I am doing all right. Did you hear the sonic boom that happened earlier today? I'm going to stay away from that time. <laughs> There's a lot coming out. We don't know what happened. All I'm going to say is... um. Yeah, those planes work. <laughs> They're really, really fast. That's all I'm going to say on that. But on any event, we'll get into what happened at, at Audi Field on Saturday. But first, we have to pay a quick visit to DC United Land as they took on Inter Miami following a draw against FC Montreal during the week. Formerly known as the Montreal Impact. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, they had a chance in what sounds awfully similar to a couple weeks ago. They played against a last place team who was dealing with a losing streak and a coaching change. And that is Inter Miami, who came in just two days prior to the game, firing coach Phil Neville. And with multiple rumors that ownership is trying to get Leo Messi. And DC United comes in, gets the 2-1 victory, another road win for United, thanks to a goal about from Donovan Pines that we'll get to in a second, and Christian Beteke in the 90th. DC played for over 85 minutes up a man following an early red card. But Mario, I thought it would be important to ask, you know, you attended the Montreal game. In your mindset... What changes did you see between the game the game against Montreal and the and the game against Miami? Was it just the man advantage that helped make a difference, or what did you see from United that was that led to this response against Miami? Uh, first off, uh, I just need a, a quick side note. Uh, most ML, for most MLS teams, if you're going to fire your head coach, or you're entering a game against East United in turmoil. Wait till afterwards to fire them, all right? That's just a side that's just a side note. I think the difference in this game between them and the Montreal game on Wednesday, a lot of it has to do with the man advantage. The other part of it is DC United didn't squander a lead in the last 10 minutes of the game. DC United played well for 79 minutes against Montreal on Wednesday night, and then two Quick goals in the 80th and 82nd minute got him a draw, which felt more like a loss to them. And so I think what they did differently is they not only took advantage of what they had of the man advantage from the seventh minute on, they were absolutely committed to just attacking for the remainder of the game. And for the for the most part, actually worked because they were able to create opportunity upon opportunity and goal. It just they weren't on target, but they were pressuring Drake Callender up until the Donovan Pines goal. And so, all in all, I think that was the main difference is they never really put their, they never took their foot off the gas in this Miami game. Whereas in the Montreal game, after maybe the 79th minute and then the two goals, it kind of just, it, it kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. And not only that, it, in the Montreal game, the, 
once they tied the game, it kind of kept the team in a little bit of disarray. While as here against Miami, the team was a lot more focused and pretty much they had one singular focus going into it after the seventh minute, which is Miami are a man down. They're going to want to defend a lot more. Let's start taking that man advantage to our advantage. Based on what I've read and watched from the, I've watched the whole Miami game, the Montreal game. I've watched the highlights and I've read about a lot of it. The general sense where I do agree with you is that United didn't let up, but there were moments in that second half against Miami where the game was not in hand, and United was very lackadaisical to continuing its attack. I felt that there were moments where they could have taken advantage of them, took more advantage of the fact that they were up a man, that they could have had more opportunities. The Donovan Pines goal, for as sloppy as it is, and we might as well just go into it now, it was uh, midway through the second MLS half. Candidate for MLS goal of the year. But the breakthrough didn't come until about uh, about the 71st minute where Donovan Pines um, scored his second goal in four days. There was a corner kick. Steve Birnbaum heads it near the t- towards the near post. Donovan Pines tried to get the ball on frame to get it past uh, Drake Callender. While he was on the ground, Pines kind of nudges the ball across the goal line. It is funny going back and listening to the commentary uh, of uh, of all through. <laughs> and what I mean by the commentary, I mean going back and listening to the MLS commentary in English, the MLS commentary in Spanish, and then Dave Johnson. The only person with full set of confidence was Moises Linares. He didn't even not call the goal. Like, he called the goal. I do have to give him and my CS. He's the only one that I've heard give a legit argument on why the head coach shouldn't give count it, which is Pines kind of when he nudges forward, he goes kneecap to kneecap with Drake Callender. But the ball was already in the net by that point. I've watched this play several times. It's like watching the Mona Lisa. I have seen this go multiple and multiple times. It is it is a sight to behold. Uh, I would like to remind everyone, Donovan Pines only scored three goals in his entire college career. That's three years. He has got three goals this season. Like, this man is scoring goals and getting starts, and I'm happy for him. United, regardless of how scrappy that goal was and how crazy it was, that's what they needed. They were kept trying and trying and weren't able to get the goal in the net has reported United had 69% of possession against Miami. They had a 23 to four shot advantage, but nothing broke through until Pines' terrible roller in the net. Uh, even <laughs> like Wayne Rooney said in the post game, like he doesn't even know how it went in the net, but he'll take it. He's on a bit of a run at the minute. So um, no, he's, he's obviously a big lad and he's a presence in there and, He's put his body in, and I haven't seen it back. Actually, I actually don't know how it went in, but he's put himself in a position where he's got a possibility of scoring, and thankfully he's done them. And it just set up everything else, which is for United's benefit. At the end of the day, it's what you do with the opportunities, right? You just if it goes in, it goes in. You you you, and you're gonna win. You I'm gonna say the following about the, uh, in particular, MLS's commentary. 
I don't know if it was the color commentator, a name escapes me at the moment, or Lloyd Sam, who called Donovan Pines their big center forward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that has been the kind of week Donovan Pines is at. That goal in particular is about the most scrappiest goal you could think of. I've also called it, this is the most MLS goal you could conceive in the history of MLS. This goal was so MLS that MLS is crying tears of joy on how just MLS this goal is. Because there's so many, we don't need to analyze it a hundred times. It's not the Zubruder film. But I do want to say that Drake Calendar, this is why the goalkeeper falls on top of the ball. Like, I, and, you reminded me, and you reminded me yesterday, this man is getting a call up of the U.S. men's national team. That's the wild part! <laughs> You dive to the ball, like, <laughs> sir, that's goalkeeping, that is basic goalkeeping 101, and you failed to do that, and you somehow got a USMT call-up, and I didn't realize it, how disarray this Inter-Miami, was, Inter-Miami team was coming into this game before they fired Phil Neville. Yeah, they've had a lot of issues, um, a lot of move. Remember, there's still some things stemming from the previous year where they were suspended, a transfer suspension. They suffered a – they had to deal with a transfer suspension. They Again, couldn't- they circumvented the rules for Blaze Matuidi out of all players. So, so they were still dealing with that. It's clear to me that they did not have a backup point. I mean, regardless of Capana being on the team, they really didn't have any uh, transfer plan when Gonzalo Iguain would call it a day. Um, and so you you have this you have both of those situations. The the back everything got messed up for Miami in the fifth minute with the red card. It was an early red card. It was denial of goal scoring opportunity. Uh, Christian hey, come Batex- on, Miller. Yeah, Miller gets the red. And so, and if anything, United got lucky because, like, literally seven minutes after that, Pedro Santos had two of the wildest tackles that he could have gotten ejected immediately. First, it was the karate kick that hit nobody. It just, like, he didn't get He just went wildly in the air. I'm like, uh, sir, you have a bad advantage. What is you doing? And then, and then you have uh, where he goes one on one with a midfielder. He pat, the midfielder clearly breezes through him, and so he just gets all ankle. It was similar to what happened to Benteke. The only difference is one's not going on goal. This one was out on the wing. But if you're going to make the same logical argument on why the the first one deserved a red and not this one, like United kind of escaped. A situation there where they could have been also down with ten men. So, also let's not forget Christian Benteke got a yellow card for essentially just palming an Inter Miami mid a player in the midfield, and then it took down DeAndre Yedlin all at the same time. And now he's out for the next game, and so because he has uh, too much uh, card accumulation, he's going to be out for the next game against uh, Atlanta. Which, funny enough, even though they're playing Atlanta on Saturday, <laughs> DC and I is playing Nakasa for Mexico on Wednesday. <laughs> but we this won't was get into that. <laughs> that. That was the game they were going to play Eric Hurtado at forward. Yeah, he may be. 
But I felt that the game against Miami was very tippy. Uh, there were moments in those first 45 where you could clearly tell that their taxi was being was being targeted by a couple of the Inter Miami players. And but I thought he handled it well. There were moments where he was yelling at the referee and he really does need to watch it. United came into this game also with a late scratch because of Lewis O'Brien, who received a one-game suspension for a dangerous tackle in against Montreal. So you had Birnbaum having to slot in um, in the back to play in the back three with Williams and Pines. And you had Paulson move up front, and Durkin got the assignment to play more uh, free in that free roaming role that you kind of see O'Brien in, even though Paulson really was the guy that was filling in O'Brien's spot. I thought both did a great job, and especially in those first 30 minutes of when the red card happened, just pushing the attack forward, putting as many bodies up front so that Miami would feel overwhelmed. I really did think United was going to score in those first 40 minutes after the red. I, I thought going into halftime would be great. It's a stress reliever if United would score. And you could see that because they didn't score, the pressure was getting to them. They're letting go of easy balls in midfield in the second half. They're giving Miami a chance to come back. Yes, Miami were making some good subs, but I felt that United struggled a lot in the second to just can get more accurate shots. You mentioned earlier, more accurate shots on target, on frame. Yes, they had a 24 to 6 advantage. But that's overall shots. That's not on target. And United's biggest issue is they're not slotting Benteke the ball and having him set up the the hold-up play to bring in the wings, the, the wing attackers. It's really route one traffic. And there's not a secondary play, a player that can provide their own shot. That's what Taxi's supposed to do. And we saw Click almost have a chance in the the dying seconds of the first half where he had he gave the ball to Ben Tick and Ben Tick takes a shot, gets saved, and he has a one-on-one with the keeper with the rebound, and he chips it over the bar. So they just need to practice more on that, not to be full uh, route one, let's cross the ball to Ben find space to give tra- uh, taxi the ball, give click the ball so that they can create their own shot because they're both equally capable of creating their own shot. And so that's what I think United needs to do. You got points against this wounded Miami team. The important thing was obviously the win after after the game midweek where um, we were disappointed not to get three points um, from a performance point of view. Um, I think I said to the lads before the game, if we win, then the, the point on Wednesday is a good point, four points out of the last two games. So uh, that was the most important thing. And the thought performance-wise, we, obviously we were in full control of of the game and, and never looked in any danger um, and it was just and really it was about being patient and it mightn't I think performances like this it mightn't look great and um, in, on the eye but it was so important that we, we kept with our patience and kept trying to grind them down and I thought we'd done that quite well Now you got a, an interesting game against Atlanta who kind of is in the same realm you were in so you you want to get see if you can get squound up a draw, but obviously, if I'm Wayne Rooney, I'm looking at Saturday's game as a, a possible statement game uh, against them. Like I said, against the side that always gives them problems when they go to Atlanta. 
Right, and they usually tend to, and also these games in Atlanta tend to be kind of barn burners because they're always been so close. I think Click and Taxi played well for the most part. Uh, Matias Click almost opened up the scoring not like five minutes before Donovan Pine scored with a shot that Trey Callender was able to save. I think there were two real clear opportunities to go into the into into halftime with the lead which was a taxi shot that went wide, just barely went wide, and another one where Andy Nahara in the 45th minute also lays in a, a, pretty, a pretty good shot from outside the box after it just passes everyone, and it also goes in. But I think attacking-wise, DC United kind of understood the assignment, but I think on, the on-target shooting was just not there. And then there's another clear opportunity where Ted Pietro had a one-on-one after a Matias Click uh, pass where he chips the goalkeeper, but it goes wide. Luckily, Benteke was there to, uh, to score in the 90th minute after Victor Paulson was able to play, win the ball in the midfield and just lay a pass to him to leave him one-on-one with a defender and beats Callender. But yeah, there is a little bit of a Benteke dependency. And not everything should go through Christian Benteke, even though I feel like that's always been the strategy so far this season. Everything goes through Christian Benteke. You're going to have to find different avenues. And especially considering that Benteke isn't going to play the next game for suspension, you're going to have to go through a lot more with click and taxi at this point. So of that, those are two... Those are two things that you have to look you have to look to with a game against Atlanta, who in who themselves are kind of trying to build off of two bad seasons and have been okay at times. Also, Miguel Barry scored a rocket earlier in the week against New England for Atlanta, so you got that going for you. And and then you're gonna have you're gonna have to contend against a guy like Tiago Almada, who's playing absolute gangbusters at the moment. And so that that in itself, it presents its own issues, but you're going in a little bit confident that you're going in after getting a win on the road in Miami. It's not impossible to get a win against Atlanta at home. They did it in 2020, but the last two visits have been games that have been really close, decided by one goal, but Atlanta's gotten the upper hand. So I think it's just one of those games where you're, Going to have to find different avenues to attack the ball goal going forward. That doesn't necessarily you're going to have to play with the nine. You can play around the nine, and and you're going to have Lewis O'Brien back as well for this game. So there is going to be that create. There's going to be that creation on, on attack where you can take advantage of having Lewis O'Brien, Matias Click, and Taxi in the starting lineup if that's the case going into the game. And see where you go, where you could go from there on the attacking side. But I think that DC United attacking wise did all right last night. But yeah, the shots on frame left a lot to be desired. And there was times where they were losing midfield battles with a team that not only was down a man, but had to make two substitutions, one pure strategic, two substitutions for injuries. Right, and this game against Atlanta, I'll just we'll, I'll end it with this. this: is one of those early season six pointers, meaning like this is going to set up how 
everything kind of checks out towards the end because Atlanta is only above United by one point. They're currently sitting in sixth place with 24 points. United has 23. This is one of those that, you know, if there's any tiebreakers on who has to play the play-in games, United can get out of that if they're above Atlanta or if they're tied in points because of how they do against Atlanta. This is one of those where they should, by hook or crook, try to get the draw or fight for the victory. I think that they have the squad that can really get after Atlanta's defense. Atlanta has not looked as strong as they usually looked in the past defensively. Um it's already surrendered 28 goals this season. <laughs> that That's a big number, a big haul to give up, and you're trying to sit, compete in the playoffs. So, and, they're, and United's in the real thick of things. They're in seventh place currently. Three points puts them right next to New England and temporarily ahead of Columbus. This is one of those dog days where you want to get results before the Gold Cup. Um where players get separated from their teams and you don't know who's getting called up or anything. While you have your full roster, before injuries and before international call-ups, this is the time where you want to get as many minutes with those main stars as much possible. And we still don't know the status if we're going to give Lewis O'Brien staying past the loan. So this is going to be a tough month for United to figure out how they can get good results while also maintaining that core and making sure that they get as many games as possible uh, playing-wise before the international, these international games, these international friendlies really screw up with their players' schedules as well as injuries. Right, and if Lewis Pro Bryan doesn't stay, Bobby Firmino's always in the market. <laughs> Either that or, you know what, Chris Durkin has really earned his stripes this season and last year, I still believe that Chris Durkin was the player of the year last year. That's just my personal opinion on that. You can say goals matter and everything, but, man, uh, he was the real spark of that team when there were very little to be happy about. So I love that he's continued on that aggressive play from last year to this year, and he continues to perform and excel for D.C. United. Um, another person that continues to excel Making her 50th appearance was uh, Trinity Robin, who scored scored her the fastest goal of her career really early on for the Washington Spirit as they took on Rossing Louisville on Saturday. However, it wasn't enough. Uh, the Spirit once again could not get the three points. They ended up just staying with a physical 1-1 draw at home. It is the second game. It was the second game and the second draw of a four-game homestand for the Spirit. Tough tough results for the Spirit, trying to get more points, but they remain shut out. Thanks to, honestly, a bad penalty that they gave up in the second half and unable, <laughs> sound familiar, unable to get some shots on frame. Uh, Gabby Carl said after the game it was a disappointing result. I think on a game like this, not winning is very disappointing. Uh, we had so many really good chances. Not being able to put them away, being a little bit unlucky uh, is disappointing, but to have had those chances is a positive for the future, for sure. Uh, we tried multiple times to get, <laughs> to get uh, Mark Parsons to admit that he was upset with the result. He would not. He said he wanted to take time to 
analyze. He's always been that way. We create a lot of chances, and that's very important for us because we haven't been able to do that in the last couple of games. And there were good chances. They're chances that we want. So it's good to create random chances, individual chances. But when you're creating the same type of opportunities, um, you're built through cohesion. Yeah, you're you're growing and getting better, and the chemistry is getting better. But also, you're able to get ready to defend those moments when you don't don't score. So I was really happy with that. And um, and at home, I thought we showed the great energy and commitment to to fight and push. The noise on one of the counter attacks, a bit like last week. There was a counter attack from I think a defending corner, and the whole stadium just went nuts. And Hatch was running with the ball. I think she was wondering if what was going on because the stadium took off. Um, the crowd were really there for us again tonight, and we we um, we are very proud to play here at Audi Field every game this year. And the fact that fans are turning up uh, is giving the team a lot of energy. We've got to focus on keep keep uh, creating these chances. That's that's going to be the goal and. Um, yeah, we do that against good teams like Louisville. Yeah, we're going to be fun team. Took all my all my effort to not give you your, your little headline there. <laughs> I think I agree with Dorian Bailey, who also said the game was a grind. I feel like that game was a grind, like the whole entire time. Like even though we had that early lead, they still were creating chances. So it, yeah, it was an, it was a grind the entire time and. Yeah, I, I wish I wish some of our other goals <laughs> or <laughs> chances would have gone in. That <laughs> would have made things a little uh, easier. But yeah, the entire game was a grind. Mario, what do you think? I, I thought Spirit had the game in hand, especially once a red card came in late in the second half. But once again, they could not find that shot on frame. And the Spirit are left wondering, what the heck happened? This, and, uh, this also comes where they had a two-goal lead inning in the halftime against Rossi and Louisville. Louisville played better last time to get the 2-2 draw. This time, I thought the Spirit thoroughly dominated just that one mistake, and they had to settle for a draw. Yeah, I, I think the Spirit were the better team in the night. And it, it shows because they got the first goal in the second minute. Thanks to Trinity Rodman, who absolutely took took the ankles of a defender there. But I think one of the things is Louisville was able to get back in the game. They were able to create some scoring opportunities in that first half. And if it weren't really for Aubrey Kingsbury making a gr- making a couple of great saves, it would have been a different story. I th- and honestly, after they, would, they went up with the man advantage, I think the spirit were trying try to get a couple of opportunities in goal. It just didn't happen. And I think the best opportunity they had was towards the end of the game where they go up for a header and Andy Sullivan shoots in the direction of the goal. But unfortunately for her, the ball was cleared out of the line. So it's disappointing. I think that it's been two games where two games in a row, not only against Gotham, but against Louisville. Whereas against Gotham, they had a really slow start, and then they kind of picked it up towards the second half. While I was here against they were racing, uh, Rossing Louisville, they, they were able to have the strong start, had a, good, had a strong finish in a way, but kind of dwindled in the middle of the game where they allowed Louisville to get back into it. I honestly think that Louisville 
that was a goleada waiting to happen. I felt that they sat back a little too much at times. The, the spirit had dominated possession. The midfield was good. Uh, it was Ashley Hatch who set up Rodman for that play with the nice pass. It, and Rodman was one-on-one. There was a similar play that v, they, they didn't go to VAR to check um, where it looked clearly a similar play where you had Sanchez who chipped everyone and then Rodman had a one-on-one. And to me, it's clear as day that the far the far left defender is is keeping her on side. Yet here we are. We're celebrating. We're not even celebrating. It's a one one draw. We're not talking about Pride Night, which was a great night for everyone who was in attendance. We're oh, talking about the halftime show was fantastic, by the way. <laughs> but we're we're instead talking about another draw, and my concern is. We're creeping up into the win. Similarly, what I just said about the Gold Cup break, where there is none. But for the NWSL, there is going to be a minor break for the World Cup. And here's the biggest issue. Those who follow the Spirit understand what I'm about to say. The Spirit have up between the lowest three the highest eight players that can be called up to any national team that's participating in the World Cup this year. That means that this team is going to lose about a fourth of its roster heading to the World Cup. And then they're going to have to play at least at the minimum two to three games without those players. So if you follow the spirit, that's trust. That's putting a lot of trust into the bench who aren't getting a lot of minutes because you're not going to pull off Sanchez unless she's injured or is having a bad game. You're definitely not going to pull out Rodman unless she's injured or having a bad game. Kingsbury's playing every game, point blank, period. <laughs> like, it's – you wonder if – you need to get these results while you have everybody in, together and intact and playing because – you're going to have these games, and luckily this is the one positive of the Challenge Cup, the way it's formatted. It's getting these pl- these reserve players minutes. It's getting these reserve players that don't get time on the field a chance to play. Now it's going to be up to the spirit to figure out when they can get more minutes for these players. Shiva played uh, uh, part of the majority of, the, of this game. She started, um, but... She's going to need more minutes because, correct me if I'm wrong, Mario, I, I could be stupid. I don't admit ignorance here. Ireland is not in, in the World Cup this year. That is correct. <laughs> they are not in the World Cup. Last I checked. <laughs> so she's going to be a focal point in the attack. We don't know. We don't know about possible other random call-ups. The World Cup always throws a couple random players in there. What if we get more players from the spirit getting called up. What did we get less? We don't know, but we do know is now that you have everybody together and we continue to hear Mark Parsons, as he even said, the North star is them playing the way he wants to play. You got to find that North star before the world cup comes. And so you can get some results and you can climb up on that table. Cause the season is smaller than MLS, but it's a more parody league. You do not want to find yourself in a situation looking for points late in the season where you're going to have more tired legs because they're coming, they're jet lagged. 
we know U.S. soccer, they win or lose, there's going to be a tour afterwards. So it's like you need to prepare for any situation where you're not going to have your top roster available. And so you have to take these points when you can get them. And this was a missed opportunity by the Spirit. Yeah, it kind of is. And on top of that, like you got, like you said, you're going to lose a good amount of players due to World Cup call-ups, especially to the to the U.S. national team, where you're good, where you have five, four or five possible call-ups in Ashley Sanchez, Trinity Rodman, Andy Sullivan, Ashley Hatch, and Aubrey Kingsbury. But you're gonna you're gonna have to use some of those reserve players that don't get a lot of minutes into it. And on top of that, you're going into the latter part of a two, of a of a four game home home stretch where you have two more home games where you're playing Angel City FC as your next in your next league game, and then you're playing the Challenge Cup against North Carolina Courage. So you've got a lot of things that you need to work on going into into these next two games. At home before you go on the road against Kansas City, but not only that, I think you've got to work on finishing because the finishing has not been all the way there for the Spirit in the last couple of games, and it's caused the, a lot of games to not go their way in such a manner. But I I think that's the one thing that they need they need to work on a little bit is just improving attacking wise. Not saying that there is a lot to improve because attacking wise that. They have attacking talent and they have it in space. I think it's just the final has not been all the way there for the spirit as of late in the last two games. So it, it's something that need they need to work on. And I guess you'd have to also work on depth considering that the World Cup is right around the corner. Well, you also have to pay attention to what like the little, little details like Ashley Hatch isn't getting as many opportunities on frame as she had been at the start of the season, mainly because some of the focus has been to get Sanchez much more involved in getting her to play the to play towards her in the middle versus what they've been doing in the beginning of the season, playing more outstretched out wide on the wings. You only see them really playing that stretch role with Rodman. So you rarely see any real crossing opportunities to hatch. If anything, we've ended up seeing Hatch become more of an asset on set pieces and being and taking corners, which is great. I, I've been calling for a variety of kickers since the start of the season when we started watching uh, Sam Staub, like shanking free kicks all over the place and not really creating much accuracy. So it's good to have someone else doing them. And there's, there have been moments where she's provided great crosses. I think one of them went in the net a week ago. So she she has done a great job there but i want my big center forward available for attack similar to what we're seeing with christian Batek in dc you want to get them the ball you want to get them in positions and funny enough similar to christian Batek, ashley hatch has excellent hold up play and she's excellent in the air you need to feed her the ball when you can whether that's robin providing more crosses Sanchez filtering in some low balls her way versus always filtering them towards Rodman or whatever it has to be. That is, to me, the key difference because if you're talking about bubble players, Ashley Hatch is one of those bubble players. There could be a situation where she ends up not going to the World Cup. So that would be helpful for the spirit. But how motivated will she be following almost getting there, you know, 
you you have a lot working against you. So you need to find the back of the net sooner rather than later, whether it, it's changing things tactically, changing Sanchez's role a little bit, whatever it is, you, the Spirit need to figure that out and regroup because that's what the biggest thing. Yes, Rodman scored, but outside of that opportunity and the one that got called back, she wasn't as threatening outside of when she dribbles. You had Sanchez have a, a shot that, that beat the keeper, but it hit the crossbar. You had Andy Sullivan have a good shot, but it got cleared off the line. And so you just have like all these little things where Spirit's getting close, but they just can't find a goal. And it could be that this game coming up against Angel City, who's been up and down this season, um, this is going to be the opportunity for them to bounce back and it'll be one of those weird games where you'll see them go on a run and score like three goals. It could be one of those games, or it could be the continue of their struggles. I'm just saying that before they get closer to that World Cup line where the rosters come in and then they have to leave to join their rosters, the Spirits should find an opportunity to get more results, to have more games where they have clear chances on goal, on target, and on frame and scoring. They had 21 shots, four on target, only one goal. That's pretty disappointing. Yeah, so that's something they have to work on moving moving forward, especially uh, with uh, with the short time they'll have with their players going into the World Cup. Yes, the Spirit have not won since May 13th, so they will look ahead for this game against Angel City to get another result. Uh, but that will be enough from us here at the Battle Numbers FC podcast. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right, if you want to my gamer about the Inter-Miami DC United game from Saturday night or just want to see my photos or coverage that I had from the MLS All-Star Roadshow that's going to be in the that's going to be in the area prior to the MLS All-Star game you can follow me on Twitter at Mario Amaya 1 you can follow me on Instagram at M underscore Amaya 91 you can follow Tiempo Latino too if you want to know what's going in the, on in the world around you. Just want to know what's going on in the DMV. You can follow them on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. You can go to their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket so I can get my dad a decent Father's Day gift, you can go get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino at your local newsstand and or metro station today. Yes, and we'll look to the future as we get closer to All-Star, to including some of our conversations with players that were there. Um, we, we spoke to um, Marco Echeverri, Jaime Moreno. Uh, more will come uh, from those conversations in a future edition of the podcast. But until then, follow me again on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Romana for more. Special shout-out as always, Kevin McLeod at Impotech. For the outro and intro music, remember, rate and subscribe as always on all these audio platforms, including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. And like I always say to end every episode, thank you so much for tuning into the Battle Ombre MC Podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.